Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. What's up, Earthlings? It's your girl, Monica Wisdom, here with the Black Women Amplified podcast, and I am so excited to be with you today. Today here in my town is a snow day, which means that I'm snowed in. Not that I'm going out too much these days. It seems like my socialite life is uh, (laughs) on pause, just like many of us around the country and around the world. Today, I'm going to talk about something that is very, very important to me and very, very special to me and something I can't wait to get back to, traveling. Oh, I know I have friends that are trampsing across the country and taking trips across the world, but, you know, as a girl who's been around the world many, many times, I don't want to go to a place and the shit that I like is closed. (laughs) or I have to quarantine, or I have to take all these tests, all the things, and people aren't around, and I'm doing it solo. Been there, done that. I want to have great experiences, but I want it to be at a time where I can fully experience the places that I go to. So one of my favorite things to talk about is travel, and it is one of my favorite things to do. Now, I'm one of the fortunate Black girls who it's like a family thing, so my family travels. We've It wasn't anything for my dad to put us in a car, put some food in and just hit the road and go somewhere. And you'll hear me talk about Florida all the time. Truly a second home for me. But I've been going to Florida every other year since I was a kid for Christmas and other times uh, around the year for family events because I have family there. One of my favorite things to do, though, is to see the world. And I'm not the girl who wants to stay on the resort. (laughs) I'm not the girl who wants to do the tour shit. I'm the girl who wants to take a big adventure and be around the people. If I'm going to go into a new culture, I want to experience that culture. And one place that I did that, that I absolutely fell in love with was going to the country of Ghana. It was a magical experience. It was something that I only dreamed of. I didn't really understand what I would see because of all the images you see of the continent of Africa. You know, so my experience of Africa, besides my family members that have been, was through television and art and things like that, the most common thing, but also the propaganda that you get about going to Africa as if it's a third world country. And I tell you what, it is not. It is not primitive. It is not third world. It is not impoverished, like they say, like they show. I mean, just imagine if you were in another country and all you saw of America was the hood. And I'm not talking about the good part of the hood. I'm talking about the hood hood or 
rural environments where people are living in trailer parks and are living very, very poor. If that's all you saw, you wouldn't even know about Soho and Fifth Avenue and Rodeo Drive. So there's a a miscommunication intentionally in the communication of how places really are. Now, it's not to say that every country doesn't have its poor communities, but it's not to say also that every country is poor. And when I went to Ghana and landed in Accra and got off that plane and we drove around to our resort our first night, I quickly realized that I have been, what does uh, Malcolm X say? Hoodwinked and bamboozled. <laughs> I mean, just because somebody lives in a house that doesn't have a roof doesn't mean that they don't have everything that they need, nor does it mean that they're not happy. So I say all that to say, if you get a chance and you have an opportunity, pick a country in Africa and go, whether it's north, south, east, or west. Take the time to do your research and find a place. Take your family, take your kids, so that you, as a Black woman, can experience a place that you will find yourself to be rooted in. And we're truly American girls. At least, I mean, I'm an American girl, 100%. I was born in this country, raised in this country, and we go back generations in this country. My people built this country called America, but we also have roots and commonalities and culture, cultural things that are very similar as when you go to some of these countries in Africa. Now, some of these countries are completely different than us. They have different cultures. There's so many cultures and languages and communities in Africa that you can't say specifically that we that we as African Americans came from the continent, you know, as a whole of Africa, because there are Muslims, there are Jewish people, there are, well, I should say Hebrew people, there are Christians, there are Catholics, there are white-skinned people, dark-skinned people, a variety just like America. And there are cultures that are very close to ours, and there are cultures that are very far away from ours. But the truth of the matter is, until you see it for yourself, you really won't know. Um, People can tell you about it. People can tell you how magical it is for them. But I invite you to go and have your own experience because it is something to see. I love how, uh, you know, Black Panther, one of my favorite movies on on ever, on ever, I love how um, Ryan Coogler said that as soon as he got the job to be director, he headed to Africa because he wanted to see and experience it for himself. And what he found was many of our traditions that we do now is still rooted in Africa, especially West Africa. Many, many of our traditions, how we eat, what we eat, our um, culture, our, how we communicate with each other, the communities that we create, the tribes that we create. We create now through movies or um, common ideas, but we're very still very tribal people. We still communicate as a community. And I hate that they've turned the word, turned the community into the hood. Um, so I like to say the neighborhood. But I say all that to say, let me tell you about my trip to Ghana. 
Oh, my goodness. And here's the thing. It started off with my vision board. I had no idea. I had not planned anything. I had not thought about it. The only thing I put on my vision board is I put a picture of the continent of Africa and a circle of women, African women in full full regalia. And they were looked to be like they were singing or chanting or whatever. But it was a circle of women, the continent of Africa. And it was around the time, I guess, uh, and a picture of Oprah, which I don't remember why I put a picture of Oprah up. But maybe I thought I was going to go to Africa with Oprah. I don't know what I was thinking. But these are the elements that I, some of the elements that I put on my vision board. So that happened. Of course, I did that in December. And by January, February, a friend of mine had called me. There was a trip. You know, I I studied with a group of women. Um, We studied the divine feminine. And I used to go on these retreats with these women. Now we're still friends, still close, and we still stay in contact. But at this time, we were doing solid retreats. Or at least I was. They're still doing them, but I was I was joining in. Did that for about 10 years. It was amazing. But this group of women were going to Ghana and I wanted to go, but the trip was sold out. And so I was like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to go. Um, and I don't think the next trip to Ghana, because they, they travel the world, wasn't probably going to be for a couple of years. So one of the women who ran the retreats, she adopted a village um, in uh, Ghana in a town called Bagro. Well, she adopted a school. So every year they would go back to the school or every other year, whenever they saw fit, they would go back and do their thing. And so I wanted to go with them because I thought this will be an awesome way to experience the country that's not from a tourist perspective. Because as I keep telling you, I don't like the tourist perspective. I'm not being a, a travel snob. I just want to experience the the heart of a culture. So a friend of mine called me, Belinda, and at the time she was married to a man who told her, even though she had booked the trip and she was ready to go, told her that he didn't want her to go because he thought, remember what I just said about propaganda, he thought that Ghana or Africa would be a dangerous place, which I thought the nerve of you coming from Bosnia, you're going to talk about Africa? That's another conversation, but (laughs) I'm just going to be quiet. (laughs) I am be quiet. So anyway, she calls me and says, hey, I'm not going um, because of X, Y, Z. And I wanted to know if you wanted to fill that spot. And so that way I can tell them when I call and I'm canceling that I have somebody to fill the spot. I said, sure. Now. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, (laughs) but I knew I wanted to go. So I just said yes. And I didn't worry about how it was going to happen or the details. So we get to the time and I found the money. I got the money. I didn't find it. I I did what I needed to do to get the money. And it was, uh, it was $3,000. So, and that was, I mean, it was awesome price. That included the flight accommodations, food. So I figured, how can I, when when would I ever be able to go to Ghana for that price ever again? So I went and I get on the flight. We're flying in coach. Of course it's cramped, but it was, 
just easy. Get to the airport. And before we went, we were asked to raise money to help the school that we were going to. And my, you know, intention was to raise maybe $100. But I ended up raising $1,000 to give to the school, which was at that time, that $1,000, let's see, $100 was a million dollars in Ghanaian money at the time. So $1,000 was enough to keep that school open for a long time. And I wasn't the only person going. It was a whole group of us going. And everybody raised money. And they were so incredibly happy with the amount of money that we raised. I'm getting ahead of the story that we didn't have to pay for any of, uh, they didn't have to pay for any of our accommodations. So anyway, sidebar, that's a sidebar. So get there and waiting in line. And I'm just, we're waiting in line to check in to go through customs. Now, before we go, I have to get vaccines to get into the country. Um, I have to get permission to get into the country. Um, And I had to get malaria pills to get into the country. Now, when I got to there, I didn't take the malaria pills because they made me feel sick. But I definitely had to take the, um, what was it? The yellow fever vaccine. Did fine. It was so funny when I went to, (laughs) to get my vaccine, I was sick with the flu ironically. And, and the woman was like, uh, we can't give you this vaccine. (laughs) Come back when you're well. So anyway, get there. And we spend the night at this resort, nice resort, nothing that I pictured Africa to be, you know, because I had a very limited idea. It was either, I saw pictures of poverty or I saw the Egyptian pyramids and the kings and queens of Egypt. And there was never regular life that I saw as far as it, uh, as Africa went. So I get there and I'm like, wow, this is not what I expected at all. I mean, people are riding in Mercedes and Bentleys and all the things you see in all the places we go to in America. Restaurants and nightclubs. And so we spent one night at the resort got to sleep. The room was beautiful. <laughs> it was the, I think it was called the Labity. I don't know. I have to look it up. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but I know a lot of people stay there because they don't have too many resort hotels in Accra and met some great people and had some great food. And it was right on the beach, the beach. I'm a beach, beach, beach queen. Like I love going to the beach. Literally. I want to live there once in my life or maybe next lifetime. But the beach was stunning. And I walked into the water and it was like, I felt like I had plugged into an electric socket. The energy of the ocean on that side of the world was just electric. And then it came to me. I was like the last place in Africa that my ancestors saw was this beach. So then the emotions fly. I'm like, oh my God. Like literally the last place they stepped before they got onto that slave ship to cross to the middle passage was this beach. So, and I know I'm saying so a lot. I have to work on that, but it was an emotion that I really can't describe in words. And I won't say that it was spiritual, but it was spiritual. That's the easiest way to describe it. 
but it was like I plugged into or I opened or I unlocked the key to the door of my ancestral home. So we, the next day we get up, we have breakfast and we get in this little bus and it was a bunch of us. And we had, of course, we had a bunch of suitcases because we're Americans and we think we have to have an outfit for every day and be prepared for everything. Drive to their botanical gardens and had lunch. Beautiful. And then we had a six or seven hour drive to Begro, which is the school we were staying at or the town we were going to. And when I tell you, when we got to that town and I got out of the van we were in, there was this primal cry that came through me. Like as soon as my feet touched Bagro, I don't know what happened. I just started crying. I could not stop crying and howling. <laughs> it's like I was a werewolf howling at the moon. It was night. It was dark. I couldn't see anything. And we were getting to the hotel and something about touching that red clay, that red ground. I didn't even know what color it was until I woke up the next day. But it was something about touching that ground that just pulled something out of me. And what it felt like was I just came home and I'm visiting my grandmother's house and I haven't seen her in 20 years. That's what it felt like. Like when you fall into your grandmother's arms and you know everything is okay, everything is going to be safe. You know you're going to be fed and nourished and loved like nobody else. And that's what it felt like. And it took took me a moment to gather myself and the adventure began. <laughs> the next day we were supposed to get up at a certain time. We stayed in a hotel. It didn't have any it didn't have any running water. It didn't have um you know the amenities. It was the bare minimum. Even the mattress was just uh, it wasn't on the floor, but the the bed frame was super low. And we had more luggage than we had space. <laughs> and I stayed with uh, my roommate. It was a girl named Donnell who was from, who's from South Carolina. So we would get up every morning. We couldn't drink the water, so we had to have bottled water because our bodies were not accustomed to the water. But I'm going to tell you what. So every morning we had to take a bucket. We called it taking a bucket. And taking a bucket... We would get a bucket of fresh water because they would bring us fresh water from the wet, uh, from the, um, I don't know where they got the water from, but they bring us fresh water. Well, it wasn't, I'm sorry. It, we, they'd bring us water from the waterfall and then they would put it in this big old barrel bucket and then we would scoop it out and that's how we would take a bath. But we'd have to brush our teeth and everything with bottled water and drink bottled water. So we couldn't drink the water, but I'm going to tell you what. I don't know what was in that water, but I didn't need lotion for two weeks. So however they said it was bad, I'm like, it, can I drink it? Because I feel like it's going to heal me like some magic water because I was not ashy. My skin was not dry. It was pure, clean water. And it was so interesting because the texture of it was much thicker than our water in America, I guess, because it's, we didn't have all the chemicals in it or anything like that. But I didn't need lotion. <laughs> And, you know, for a black girl, especially a brown black girl, we get ashy. So we get there and it is a week of trainings with the most amazing people. And I can talk about that later. I don't want this podcast to go on forever. 
But we did these um, coaching trainings with these people. I'm saying these people, but Ghanaian people from all across the country. And apparently they had been doing it for years. And there was a interpreter. Her name was Dorinda. And she looked just like me. It was so, that was the thing that was just really fascinating is that when I looked at the Ghanaian people, I could literally see the f- the faces of my friends in their faces. Like I had my friend Felicia, there was a girl that looked just like her. My friend, all of my friends, I found a person that looked like them. And Dorinda, she and I looked just alike. And I didn't even notice it. And it was her daughter who was at the time, she was four. So some, she, she's a full grown adult now, probably married because they get married young over there. But she was like, mommy, she looks just like you. We look like sisters. And we did these trainings and we did them every day for like six or seven hours a day. And then we would sometimes go on excursions. We went to a market in another town. It was probably about maybe two hours away. And where I was able to buy, you know, trinkets and things like that. And I was also able to buy trinkets in Bagro. I'm calling them trinket, but items that the, the the people made. And we went to, oh, we went to a place that was for people who had physical disabilities. And it was so funny because one of the guys drove us and it wasn't on our route. And he kind of like tricked us into going. He said he needed to make a stop really quickly. And so he brought us all into this place. <laughs> we walked in, we were like, uh, where are we? So he quickly rushed one of the instructors to say, can you speak to the people, give them something positive to say? And she looked and she was like, okay, but what am I going to talk about? He's like, just do your thing. Say what you need to say. And we got back in the van. That was a great experience. And I have pictures from it. It's on my Instagram page, Monica Wisdom. But it was such a beautiful experience. And what I learned was, is that that was one of the things I realized that the privilege we have in America is that there are places that are accessible to people. They don't have that in Ghana. So if you have a disability or a problem, you are put in a place where you have to be taken care of, even though you can take care of yourself, but they didn't have the infrastructure for that to happen. So they probably have it now, but at that time they didn't. And so we left there, went to the market, open market, And it was a beautiful experience. We stayed there and it looked like if you've watched High on the Hog and they're in the the marketplace talking about the yams, it looked like that. So people were selling food, selling clothes, making things, making clothes, all the things that you, you would imagine a beautiful open market would be. And then we got to, I got to spend like quality time. And let me tell you the sham that I saw. Let me tell you the sham that I saw. Okay, so of course it's a school and I'm looking around and there are these little bitty buildings. And I'm like, what are all these little bitty buildings on this school? Because it was like a compound. It wasn't huge, but it was like a a school, a, a schoolhouse, and there was a place where people could live. So I guess it was like a boarding school type of environment. And then people came for our trainings all over. So some of them stayed there, some of them stayed at the hotel, whatever. I looked 
and I got up close and there was this little bitty building and it said a gift from Jim and Tammy Baker. And I said, oh my fucking goodness. These people (laughs) are making millions of dollars, getting millions of dollars in donations to open up these places, I'm using my quotation fingers, places in Africa to help the poor, impoverished Africans. And I promise you, the only thing you could have fit in that building was a lawnmower. It looked like one of those sheds (laughs) that you get from the Home Depot. And they had the nerve to put their name on it. I was like, oh. And then I looked and there was another little building from a different church and another little building from a different church. They weren't sponsoring the whole school. They were putting up these little sheds that you could put your lawnmower in. And I was like, scammers, 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 scammers. Shame on them. Shame on them. There was one special night. And remember, I said on my vision board that I put a circle of women and a picture of the continent of Africa. And we had finished our trainings late. I think it might have been the second day before we left. And it happened to fall on my birthday. So my 36th birthday, I was in Begro, Ghana. Oh, my God. It was so special. We finished the training and... I saw people putting up the chairs and somebody pushed me in the middle. And I'm like, well, I need to help. They're like, no, you just, just stand right here. We'll get it together. So I stood there <laughs> like feeling stupid. And the next thing I know, they had encircled me holding hands. I was the center of the circle. And everybody had something beautiful to say to me. And then they started singing. And then they sang happy birthday. And they gave me a gift of this beautiful red, coral red necklace. These little bitty beads. I wear it, I still wear it all the time. And then they gave me a piece of kente cloth. Now, every day that we walked from the hotel to the school, There was a woman sitting in front of her house and she had one of those old fashioned kente cloth makers. It was like it was a weaving machine and it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And she's just weaving and putting out this beautiful fabric. Well, they had gotten a piece from me for me from there. And when I there I go crying again, just crying. It was the most beautiful experience to be filled with and surrounded by love in such a way that it was transformative. And I told them at our last dinner that I came here an African-American and I'm leaving here an African in America. And what touched me was that I finally felt connected and grounded in a group of people that looked like me, that shared my culture and shared my values that I'm sure other people from other countries that come to America feel that homeland. Like I know where I come from. And even though I still don't know where I come from, come from, it was the closest feeling that I've ever had. 
And so when you hear the Chinese people say, yes, I'm the 17th generation of Fu Manchu, or I shouldn't have said that, that's wrong. But I'm the seventh generation of of uh, whoever. Or you hear the you know Italians speak. This is my great, 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 great grandmother from Sicily or wherever they come from. African-Americans don't have that wherever they come from experience. We come from here and that's all we know. We don't know our names. We don't know our language. We don't know our culture. But what I realize is through slavery, they did not stamp out our culture. They did not stamp out our connection, our strength, our, our, they might have taken away our language, but they didn't stamp out our voice. So the magical experience of Ghana, and that was just the beginning. And then I went to the slave castle, Cape Coast. We got ready to leave and the transformative piece was realized when I was packing up my luggage and we were all putting our luggage in the van. And we all looked at each other and started laughing and said, (laughs) we were like, we are ridiculous because the people who came to the class, they had two sets of clothes and every night they would wash their clothes and hang them out to dry. And here we are with at least 10 outfits a piece, a thousand pairs of underwear, just gluttony, pure gluttony. I travel completely differently now because of that experience. And if I can't pack it in one suitcase and have enough and um, then I don't take it. You'll never see me with five bags, three bags. You only see me with one and a backpack. <laughs> if I could get my clothes in a backpack, I would. But so we take this six-hour drive to Cape Coast. And my intention and my mission was to walk back through the door of no return. There's a door. It's not even a full door. It's just a doorway And it says the door of no return across the top of it. So I went around the doorway and came back in and I clapped my hands and I said, I'm home. And I had to do that. And then we went into the caves where they held the people. And the man explained to us how they were held. And I'm telling you, you can still feel the people. You can still smell the people. And it is not like any other smell I have smelled before. And it's almost like if you just get really, really quiet, you could hear the moans. And when I tell you that I could still feel our ancestors in those spaces, anybody who's ever been will tell you the same thing. That if you get quiet enough and still enough while you're standing, not only do you feel your ancestors, but you you are infused with their strength. So when I came back, I came back with a new strength and a new understanding of my identity. Identity. I haven't been back to Ghana. I promised I would go back. And one of the elders said, please come back and bring more people with you. So I have encouraged as many people as I can to go to Ghana because we're family. We might not know who our cousins is, but I know that we're cousins. (laughs) And I understand why all Black people call each other cousins, because we don't know where we came from, but we know we're all connected through that continent. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is Ghana. I have so many stories I could tell, but I don't want to run on and on. But I'm sending you love and light. And get a map, 
Get on the interwebs, pick a country, make a plan and plan to go. Please don't forget to check out our shop. Now we have a store with merch and gear. You can go to blackwomenamplified.com backslash shop. And you can see the t-shirts, the hats. In fact, I'm wearing one of the hats now. You can't see me, but I was so excited to open up this package. Anyway, love and light. And I can't wait to tell you about more of my adventures. Take care. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining. Keep shining.